Hey guys, it's <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> Why? I Back I, I hate hey guys. Hey hey, hey guys. Hi, ladies. It's worse. That's worse. Uh, What's the we we need, we need a intro? Hey that people. We do. People is good. People is <sighs> solid. It's neutral. I don't, I, I don't know. I think hello humans. Hey friends. Friends. That's friends better. Is good. Hey yeah, friends. I mean, it's kind of we're not friends if we've never met. That's wrong. We are? Strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. That's true. So, hi, strangers? Hey, sure. strangers that I haven't met yet. Strangers and friends? No, that friends does, that's strangers. what you said. Uh, family, friend, friends, and strangers. Friends and family. <sighs> it's a hi. work in progress, guys. Sorry. Yeah, we're working on it. We'll get it by next week. Welcome to Behind the Message, a corner conversation. Is that how you want us to say this, Greg? Greg, the Greg always says just sure. He's so disappointed in me. It sounds like a, Hi, friends. Hi, guys. It sounds like a Christmas fireside special. Welcome to Behind the Message, a corner conversation. <laughs> Hello, friends. That's actually ah, good. That's good. Nice. I'm yeah. Lakshmi Singh. <laughs> <laughs> Lakshmi Singh is not here. We haven't no. brought up a NPR correspondent in a while. Literally all we try to do is emulate NPR on this podcast. That's true. Yeah. I think these podcasts are slowly devolving to the point that the first they 15 so minutes good. are going to be... Okay, sure. <laughs> They're just not going to be any actual content, and people will love it, right? You're listening to this right now, and you love this more than the biblical information wonder, we do, talk about, I wonder right? if, if I... Listening to this, I, you probably listen to this part at like three times speed or just hit 30 seconds forward, 30 seconds yeah, forward. They just skip this part. Skip yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so anyway, thanks for skipping this part. <laughs> What's uh, going on? <laughs> in the Corner Church world, uh, it is our summer connection one off groups. And so I just encourage you to, if you're doing something that's fun in the city, by the way, it's always cold here. Yeah. And the so. new invention is cold and wet and windy. We're Ooh. not a fan. Summer is less than a month away. <laughs> no, summer is a over. No, we're fine. <laughs> it's all fine. If you have seasonal affective disorder or just a human, it, you'll live. It'll be Where's fine. Where's the sun? <laughs> Where is the sun? So the thing about seasonal affective disorder, a little off offshoot here, the fact that it's called sad, somebody had to make that up on purpose. Oh, for yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. What can I we just, What can we do to make an acronym for sad? Seasonal, affect. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, they're affected by the season. Seasonal affective disorder. And so, if you have that, don't feel belittled because we all have it. Anyway, it's gonna be seventy and sunny tomorrow. That's yep. great. So we're doing unless they lie to us like they did today. Oh yeah, that's right. Anyway, if you're planning to do something fun this summer, that's very. Uh, Twin Cities-esque, uh, invite other people to it. Uh, send it to uh, us, post it on our uh, Connection Groups page. It will work on helping you spread the word, and uh, it's fun to do things with friends you haven't met yet. Yeah. What are you doing tomorrow, Scott? What's going on? We're biking. Yeah. It's going to be nice. We're going to bike to all Corner Coffee locations. And so it's something I think we're probably going to do more than once this summer. Uh, it's just kind of fun. It's a 17-mile ride doing the loop. And so that'll be a nice ride tomorrow. Don't have to make up. Seventeen miles isn't that far. I don't know about that. I'm I'm not seventeen miles biked experience in many years. You can I, do it. I, I think I did it one time. I mean, we did the walking distance day and we walked. That's another thing I want to do this summer. Twenty something miles. Yeah. In a day. Jeepers. That does something to your body. That's interesting. It is. Yeah. You feel you feel things the next day. Yeah. 
So we have that going on. There are a handful of other, I think Ty is doing a game one, a bunch of other things that are happening. So More to come. Get into those. Uh, United? We have a United service. That's yeah. what other one I was thinking is that. So five times a year we get together all of our communities for one combined service uh, in a handful of different places. This one is at Target Field Amphitheater. Take the light sponsored rail. by the Twins. Yeah. Kind of. I don't think if anybody from the Minnesota Twins hears this podcast, we're going to get a season desist letter in the mail. Maybe. Like tomorrow. They're good this they, year. They're great to us. The Twins are great. They're, yeah, they're great. And they play baseball. Is that, that's a baseball team, right? I mean, you, no one in our city would know, but hmm. yeah, they still play baseball in the stadium. That's impressive. I'm going on Sunday, so I'm excited. They're playing the Sox. Dan's a White Sox fan, so Dan and I are going. Well. Nice. Well, maybe you could record some podcasts while you're there. Maybe. Because there's nothing else happening at a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> we love the Twins, and then we trash on the Twins uh, the whole time. If I go to a baseball game, I have a routine. One is that I look to see where my seats are, but I do not go to them. And then I walk around the stadium three or four times to see how many people I see and know and talk to them. I go and see the organ player. She's pretty fun up on the upper deck and talk to her for a while while she's playing. It's kind of a fun challenge. Then go back, look where my seats are, decide I don't really want to go there, and then I go home. It's great. What a great baseball game. Hmm. I actually enjoy the sport, so I watch the game. That's great. I don't really know anything about baseball. They have food there. That's they fun. do have food. If you're looking for expensive food, it's a great place to go. At least it's local. Well, we're on task today. That thanks. This is thanks, friends. Hi, people. What were we gonna say? Zach. Zach, go for it. What's our? Do our voiceover. Go. You Why do you look at us like we've never talked to you Behind before? Behind the message, a corner conversation. Thank you for tuning in to another Behind the Message, a Corner Conversation. Today we're continuing to talk about Ruth, Ruth Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Yep. It's fun, as we go into this book and as we've been looking ahead this is a quick read obviously Ruth is just four chapters takes about 15 minutes to read but the goal in this is that we would use this narrative as a a mirror reflecting moment to evaluate to dig deeper into our own lives not just a moment like oh I need to be more like Ruth or Boaz all that kind of stuff and just say to wish you were like somebody but rather to really evaluate where we are and uh and then have some practice and where we should go because of that evaluation. So I, I love uh, that in, in these two chapters, which take you about eight minutes to read these two, there is like a mountain less than that. Yeah. yeah. A mountain of story that's going on. You know, when you say like, so this couple with their two sons decided to leave their homeland because of a, a famine. I mean, think about all the, Chaos, moving is hard. Moving is, I would say, was harder then than it is now. And then to move to the where the Moabites lived, which was their greatest enemy. And so to think, how bad were things that you would leave and go to the enemy's camp because he's under your feet? Get out. Under your feet. <laughs> you make a Nacho Libra joke. I know it's coming, but uh, um, they... 
to so to to do that and then the chaos of you know your daughters i it probably wasn't an arranged marriage but your son's going hey i like this girl uh she's a moabite you know meeting these girls ruth and oprah 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 <laughs> orpah and uh think of all the story that's tied into that then like a loss of a loved one is there's so much tied into that so much from leading to it to after it and here times the, three times three all of it all of it and then and then there's it's it says there's about a 10 year period and so um going back home after 10 years is that like they heard word that things were better in Bethlehem, but to go back to Bethlehem after 10 years, wondering if you're going to know anybody, hmm. there's property, there's all this kind of stuff. I wonder stuff. if there's a part of it's like by returning, there's an admittance of failure. That is, yeah. that would be, it is brutal. Well, is, we gave it a shot. This is the, the 3,000 years ago version of not just moving into your parents' basement, because that's not always wrong. But moving into your parents' basement because literally no other options yeah. exist. So they come back. Uh, think about all the story that's tied into Naomi says, don't call me peaceful. Call me bitter. Mara. Mara. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the weight of that, Ruth's um, undying commitment, or in fact, a commitment to spend the rest of her life and like a commitment to not like to take it to an extreme and say, not only will we live together, not only will I follow your God, but may I, I want to be buried next to you. Mm-hmm. So intense. Not even death will separate us. And so we dig into all of that. We jump into chapter two and uh, in chapter two. Uh, Things get so much easier. Yeah. But they really clear up. <laughs> they do start. There, there's a lot of fun stuff in chapter two here. Things get exciting. And at least just just a little bit into where we're going as in the back conversation of this. I, I don't know. Is it best to talk through the story and then to go into that? Or what do you guys want to do? What's your pleasure? Yeah. I don't even think we need sure. to talk about the whole story. Yeah. Just... It, what, what really rises up is a moment of some people having incredible character. And uh, um, it's kind of interesting. We were... Zach, you and I were talking about this just before we started recording this, is that um, it's one thing to say, I want to be a person of good character, but that's like generic enough to mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what, I mean, a powerful question is to go, so do you want to have growing character? Yes. Tell me, what character trait do you want to be growing in? Mm-hmm. I want to be a really good parent. All right. How do you the, want to do yeah, that? Exactly, like oh, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just want to be a really, I want to be a great parent. And we kind of use like great as a character trait, but it's what it, what it means was like parenting is it a great <laughs> one. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a great parent or parent of character say, you know, I just want to be patient with my kids. There we go. Now we're talking about yeah. something. I want to be gracious with my kids. Yeah. Hmm. That's really challenging. I just, I think that generalities are a great way to dumb it down enough to not actually mean anything. I would love to be Christ-like, which is beautiful, but it means nothing because it's so broad. Usually when we know the people in our lives with really good character, for me, they tend to be like the grandparent type Mm -hmm. people. Oh, there's this guy in my life. He's 
he's the oldest guy that I have a relationship with, and he's also the best person I know. Or my youth pastor growing up. Still, I think back, like, if I could be anybody in 20 years, I want to be that guy. Not because he's super cool. He is cool. But because his character traits are so evident. His patience toward his family, his gentleness toward every person, his invitation into relationship for literally anybody that ever crossed his path. You put in the, what was that additional definition of character you just put in there? Yeah, character being the thing that sets you apart from any other person. Hmm. The defining factor for you as a person. And all these good things, unfortunately, are a little too easy to point out as things that set people apart. When we meet somebody with amazing gentleness, it's sad but true that it's really rare. Wow, that person is so gentle and there's no one like them. That person is so kind and there's nobody really like them. And hmm. that can encourage me. To... I didn't think one thing that becomes apparent in this Ruth chapter two is that uh, Ruth has a moment of having taking one of her character traits is taking initiative. And uh, I think it's easy or I don't know if it really is character to take initiative when initiative is the easy or the natural thing to do. Uh Ruth had a mo- I, I, it can be, but it also can be a, a facade of it as well. Um, and so when you, Ruth, she went out to the fields, the Old Testament law for the Israelite people was that they would not harvest, reharvest, reglean their grain. They would leave extras, the endros for the poor and the foreigner. And, uh, but while that was, something that was happening there also was this was a moment to have to go out and work actually work extra hard because you were going and getting grain from something that had already been harvested or just an edge or at least all the easy stuff was taken easy was gone and so it wasn't convenient it wasn't uh downhill it wasn't efficient and then there's repeated uh iteration in, in chapter two that this was a risky thing for a foreigner, foreigner woman to do. Uh, a Moabite would be viewed as, to some degree, subhuman or hated or worthy of revenge or vengeance taken out on them. And to be a, a foreign woman, pretty helpless, a declaration of humility and poverty, uh, be a scary thing to do. But Ruth did that. And then also an Obed uh, jumps what were, in. What was her reason for doing that? It's a great question. I mean, it was tied to our commitment with Naomi, right? Yeah. They needed food. They did need food. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the state of Naomi at that point, but I imagine it's not. <clears throat> yeah, because of age, because of uh, her mental state. I just think it's important that her her commitment is what drove her initiative in this moment. Yeah. And that's like one thing that we're going to talk about, ask the questions for on, on Sunday is like, where does character come from? And that's, that's complex. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> this is down to the end of what we're talking about, but parallel story, parallel narrative is a really good illustrator. That character is not very easy to understand. 
because you can have two people who have the same experiences from the same environment with the same challenges, with the same pains and the same successes. And one person has just got incredible grace, incredible initiative, just as kind, is just a beautiful person. And the other person who has that parallel experience is bitter, judgmental, hateful, vengeant. And uh, so you can say, well, it comes down to upbringing. Sure. But that doesn't guarantee success or failure. Sure. And it comes down to experiences. All these experiences I've had, well, that's not a guarantee of success or failure. Character is, uh, I I think, unfortunately, is chosen more than it is just had. Which is great and terrible news. Yeah, great. It's learned. It's definitely learned. It's chosen and then learned and practiced. And I wish that character were more easily developed when things were easy. But the reality of character often is Mm. that it most often develops in hardship. When things get rough, that's when character can really be developed the most. Yeah. I think that's when it shows itself the most. I think if you are continuing to choose to choose to be forgiving when it's easy it'll be more natural when it's hard i think the challenge though is like plows over the barricades so you say uh being uh having the character of being gentle when it's easy to be wrathful when you have a moment when it's easy to be wrathful and you plow through those barriers and are gentle it means in the less obstacle less challenging moments you're probably more gentle yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think there's some level of it that's cumulative. It's what you practice, yeah. what you've chosen hmm. up to that point. I think it yeah. becomes your norm rather than uh, having to, in that every single moment, choose. Like, character is what happens when it's your natural response hmm. a lot of times. Yeah, but it's not an excuse to just be like, well, I am what I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But... If you are what you are and you respond poorly, it's because your character's not great. Well, it's yeah, just undeveloped. I would call it undeveloped character. Yeah. That in that moment where I have not chosen to pursue, hey, I want to be, I want to be patient. I want to be gracious. If I just think I want to be a good parent and I don't actually pick on things and really like choose to pursue those things in my life, they're not going to fix themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to have moments where I respond as an ungracious or an ungentle parent. Uh, I think there is choice. There is a focusing. There is what we see in Ruth's story that is very much a choosing from chapter one. She mm-hmm. chose to pursue this route. She could have chosen a lot of things here. I know. So on the other side of it, Boaz is this landowner, this relative of Naomi. Uh, Ruth, Ruth doesn't know that. Nope. Happens to... Uh, for whatever the circumstance, looked the easiest, was the closest, uh, gets in line as, as helping or as helping herself to these endros behind the gleaners of, of Boaz. And, and all of a sudden, his character traits pop out. Again, uh, he asks who this girl is, finds out that it is Ruth, who's connected to Naomi, and then he pulls her aside and says... Man, your character is incredible. Thank you. It's, I'm so impressed that you're committed to your mother-in-law. That's a beautiful thing. And so here's some great, you know, th- you will always be safe. Hang with my harvesters and I'll tell them not to bug you or assault you. Which well, means that the norm was. That was the, the norm. <laughs> and Other than that. Yeah. And, you know, he was obviously respected 
but he was really choosing to be extraordinarily nice to somebody who was a Moabite woman. And so this character of not just being like, he's just a nice, gentle guy to kind and protective of of the easy people to be kind and protective of. Here he is to this Moabite woman is saying, listen, you're safe when you hang with me. Hmm. And uh, what an incredible shining of his character. I don't think he knows at this point that, I mean... Ruth is definitely related to Naomi. He, he knows that, but it doesn't really come out until chapter three that we'll get into next week. How really Boaz is this concept of the guardian redeemer, the kinsman redeemer of Naomi's family and how he then at that point decides to say, uh, if it should work, I will, I will marry you. If it's God's will, I will step in. And the fact that he chose on the front end to extend so much grace to this woman without at all any prospect of, oh, wow, this woman is someone I may marry. Yep. Just straight graciousness. Yeah. We're going to ask the questions. You know, there's obviously a lot of backstory to these people that is outside of this narrative. But uh, where did Ruth develop these character traits? Where did Naomi develop these? Or it's not, we're not bringing in Naomi to this story, but where did Boaz develop these character traits? And uh, the reason that it's important to dwell on that and to, to give some, you know, it, sometimes it can feel like, well, how do I know them? I can't, I can't fill in any of their story. I only can see what I see. And so it's all a guess, but when we see that the, the challenge of understanding where our own character front comes from, it'll. I think that we'll. <clears throat> uh, we have to be able to stretch our understanding of character by understanding it in these people, and then use that as a mirror to evaluate our own lives. Yeah, because if we, you know, we talked about how character is something that is chosen, it's grown over time, something that we develop. Uh, if we're never aware of the character that we're developing, good or bad, um, then whatever happens, happens. There's yeah. So it's it's really it should be really helpful to have this moment of seeing character in others, and then in turn seeing character on ourselves, and going through this process of recognizing and trying to be more aware of uh, the types of character that we we are choosing to have and choosing to be. Yep. Zach, you mentioned like your youth pastor. We're surrounded by a lot of people that I would say have admirable character traits. And I think it's really important. And that's the goal of how we're going to end this week is moving from a moment of admiration to a moment of uh, digging into our own selves and developing our own character. Because it's easy to go... Like you read this book, chapters one through four, and you go, wow, it's amazing. These people had great character. And because of that, God used them in the lineage of David, which leads to lineage of Jesus. And wow, that's really admirable. What a beautiful story. But that that's not the point. The point is not to admire these people. The point is to uh, be refined ourselves, be part of the narrative ourselves. We're going to do a little bit of writing, and uh, I, I have a feeling that for some people this might be challenging to identify, identify a character trait that you feel God wants to see in you. Um, some people will be paralyzed because there's too many, 
and some people might just shrug their shoulders and just, I don't, I have no idea. But um, I think like it could just, this could be the end to say, let's pray, believe that in the reality of God, that he will nudge, lead, speak somehow, nudge us in our own internal conviction to a character trait that we need to grow in. Like identifying that is a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah. Well, I, I believe that, uh, we all, all probably already know. Yep. Like just look at your last week. Unfortunately, Mm. (laughs) I can can look at my last Sunday (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, character trait of not being mad at my wife for stupid things, (laughs) whatever character trait. I think that's lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, I wrote a little bit about this, but when we, when we choose commitment against logic, a lot of times for me, there's these moments where I just know, okay, this thing is completely illogical apart from this thing in me that just says, I know this is what I need to do. Mm. It's not logical. This commitment that I'm making doesn't feel logical, but I just, I know this is what I need to do right now. And a lot of that plays into relationship, commitment, building character, and, uh, yeah, I'm challenged by that. Yeah. Last week we wrote down um, commitment, and then we, we verbalized or wrote down the tug of war, reasons to be committed to something, and things, the cost of being committed. This, this week we write down a character trait that we feel like God is nudging us towards having or growing in, and then write down the reasons that character trait is important to have. But then the opposite of that is barriers to living out that character trait. And the takeaway from that is, again, if you just say, uh, I want to be a peaceful, calm, I want to have character of just being a gentle-hearted person. And I bring that up for me is because I find in myself that I'm often, I can be too harsh to myself or to others. And uh, if I want to be a refined character of being gentler, uh, I have to also not just say, well, I want that. I, that's, that's, that's the character I want. I have to also realize that there are things in me that are standing in the way of that and expose that. I can't remove barriers unless I see them. It's hmm. good. And we're going to end with the question, what becomes more clear as you see the tug of war surrounding good character? I think that's where we'll leave it. Character. It's I mean this is like the This is a lifelong. This, this is a lifelong. Yeah, this message is a lifelong process. Like we should talk about this every single year. Yep. Every day, every day. Constantly. Week. Yeah, and and then to think that we develop one character trait. We go, "Well, that was good. I'm done." Uh if you want a, a fun little moment is just Google search the line uh, character traits list. And all of a sudden, you, if you want to feel overwhelmed, there are hundreds and hundreds on lists that uh, many of them I want and most of them I don't have. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for hanging with us. This is uh, part of our process of uh, preparing is to just kind of talk about what we've gone through to get where we're trying to go on Sunday and encourage you to be part of church community. If you're part of the, in the Twin Cities, you don't have to come to Corner Church, but we encourage you to be part of a faith community. Uh, There is so much to be gathered in, not just in faith in Jesus in isolation, but in faith in in Jesus and community and not seeing that as a finished product 
something that you've got all resolved, but being in process with other people is a great thing. And so I encourage you to be involved in a church and a community and uh, you're more than welcome to do that with us. So have a great week. See you there, guys. Bye.